Welcome to the Red Door Church Sermon Podcast. Red Door Church is a church seeking to transform the city of Pretoria by the power of the gospel. We are distinctly mission-minded, community-cultivating, and city-loving. Please enjoy this week's sermon, and don't forget to follow and continue the conversation by sharing with those around you. Alright, good morning, good morning everyone. Um, Yeah, my name is Temba Raskutuma. I'm married uh, to an amazing woman. Her name is Guanele. Uh, I assure you, she is here with me. She's next to me. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, because of space limitations, she just chose to be on the side. Um, but that's besides the point. That's besides the point. Uh, I'm on staff at Red Door Church, uh, specifically uh, focused on student ministry uh, with campus outreach uh, on the university campus at Pretoria. Um, and yeah, that's a bit about me. Um, I'm a Joba boy, born and bred. Uh, but I've been living in Pretoria now for the past six, seven years. So in many ways, you know, Kimfana Pitori, uh, you know, I know the dial, I speak Pitori, you know, it's pretty much in me. Uh, but hey, enough about me. Uh, I'm excited about uh, preaching and sharing from God's word this morning. Uh, I'm very nervous and also very excited at the same time, which is pretty weird. I don't know why, um, but hey. I'm just going to trust that uh, the Holy Spirit is living and working and active in me and just God will be faithful uh, to use me as his mouthpiece. And so before we get into today's text, um, let me pray for us um, and then we can jump in. Um, Lord, uh, we are so uh, grateful um, and thankful for just um, how good you are to us. We are thankful for how um, gracious and compassionate you are. You truly are indeed um, a God who is sovereign, a God um, who is all-knowing. You are just um, so good. And so, Lord, as we spend some time um, in your word this morning, Lord, I do pray and ask that would your spirit really minister to our hearts, Lord? Would your word cut and convict and penetrate our hearts, Lord, um, that we would continue uh, to be transformed um, daily, Lord, that we would continue to be compelled um, to live differently, Lord. And indeed, Heavenly Father, may you continue to speak to us um, through your word. Lord, I pray and I ask um, that as I preach this morning, that Lord, would you use me um, as your mouthpiece, Lord? Would you use me as your servant as I bring your word, Lord? Um, Would this be a great time of worship, uh, not only for me, but for all of us um, as we listen to your word being preached. Lord, we are so thankful um, for just your goodness and your majesty and your glory. And we do pray that you be with us and lead us um, this morning. In your son's name we pray. Amen. All right, fam. Um, I must mention, um, this is very, very weird. Um, Preaching uh, at Zoom online, uh, it's nothing that I ever thought uh, would ever happen uh, in my life. Well, at least that's two years ago, but ever since 2020, we all know how much of a reality this has become. Uh, and so um, I'm hoping um, that um, I'll still be able uh, you know, to, to, to connect um, with you guys, even though it will be virtually. Uh, but most of all, I just really hope that, man, um, God's word would penetrate our hearts. And so, we get, and so before we get into today's um, passage, um, I wanted to start off and say, how easy is it to lose sight of the main thing? How, how often are we prone to pick up our smartphone 
intending to do something important maybe you need to send an email maybe there's a quick phone call that you need to make to someone but when you check 30 minutes an hour down the line you find yourself in some social media rabbit hole you find yourself you're in youtube busy in a rabbit hole trying to figure out why is the earth flat you're busy on facebook and on twitter and you're laughing at memes next thing you know an hour has gone by 30 minutes has gone by and you're wondering wait why did i grab my phone to begin with um, what, what, what's going on um, can you see how how fickle we are can you see how easy it is for us to get distracted and lose sight of the main thing and some of these things that we do they're still as important they are still good things but if they detract us from the main thing then really are they good for us really are they doing what they're initially intended to do and so even as christians that's a struggle or that is a daily challenge that we have um, many of us are so prone to wonder we easily forget what our purpose is as Christians and what God calls us to do and how to live our daily lives in light of the gospel. And so in today's uh, passage, uh, we're going to get a bit of a glimpse of um, what could potentially happen if you do lose sight of the main thing and the importance of keeping sight of the main thing. And so as we've been in the book of Acts, I'm going to try to do a, a bit of a quick recap about what's been happening so far and so uh, we've seen and witnessed how the preaching of christ has spread throughout jerusalem um, we are seeing how the holy spirit is at work in this early church we're seeing how the, the the community and the church are faithful to the preaching and the teaching of the apostles we are getting to witness how many thousands are being saved and they are turning to Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Communities are being transformed. There's a growth in fellowship that we are witnessing. There's sharing of material positions. People are meeting in the temple courts daily. They're in each other's houses, enjoying fellowship with one another. We are getting to witness this heartfelt praise and worship for god there's a sense of awe that is happening we are witnessing the spiritual growth of believers we are getting to witness this early church this early church is beginning to thrive it's beginning to grow they're literally flipping the city of jerusalem upside down there's this massive movement that's taking place and beginning to rock the city but we are also seeing that they are beginning to encounter problems as well, not only externally, but as well internally. Um, we see how the, leave, the, the priests, uh, the high priests, as well as the Sadducees are already beginning to threaten them. There's already signs of persecution beginning to happen. We are in the previous chapter, in chapter five, we've seen how with, in, the, in the account of Ananias, and Sapphira, we're getting to see how also internally there were starting to be some problems. They got struck down. Instead, they fell down and died after they lied to God about um, how much they kept for themselves after selling their property. And so in many ways, we are getting to see that this early church, um, a lot was happening, a lot of good 
and as well experience a lot of challenge. And so let's get into today's passage and get to unpack and see how this early church is continuing to grow and unfold. And so read with me Acts 6 verse 1 to 2. And it reads as follows. Now in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. And so fam, um, sometimes we may look at this early church and think that, man, this, this is the epitome of what a good and healthy and effective church should look like. We sometimes look at this early church and think of them as a perfect church. But the reality is that it wasn't a perfect church. If a church is filled with a bunch of sinners and sinful people, then I doubt that there is any church that is perfect to begin with. So, what does this then mean? Um, it means that uh, no. It, it means that as we get to understand and see how this church continues to grow, continues to unfold, this won't be the only time where we get to witness some sort of challenge, some sort of problem, some sort of issue arise. If anything, even for churches today, that is a reality. And so we buy into a lie if we convince ourselves or think to ourselves that churches are meant to be perfect. Or we think that churches are places for perfect people. No, the church is a place full of broken, sinful, messed up people who continually need to turn to the Lord, who need to be transformed daily. And so, as we look at this text and we look at these opening verses, we begin to encounter and see an issue arise. The Hellenists, they raise up an issue against the Hebrews and say, hey, well, something we've noticed is that the Hellenist widows are being neglected in the daily distributions. It mean, as they were sharing positions and they had everything in common, it means that what was happening is that probably what had built up and what was happening in this local church is that Everyone was making sure that no one, everyone who had need was, was made sure that um, their needs were satisfied. As they were sharing things with one another, they were caring for one another, ensuring that this new church community could continue to grow and flourish. But there was starting to be a bit of an issue. The Hellenists, they raise up these issues against, this, against the Hebrews and they say, something is not right here. The Hellenist widows are being neglected. And why is that? And so if you look at the Old Testament passages such as Deuteronomy 18, Deuteronomy 10, 18 to 19, or Psalm 9, verse 18, something that's, something that's evident is that it reveals how God is so compassionate and has deep concern for those who are least in society. It is evident and it is clear that the Hellenists, they were aware of some of these Old Testament passages. By the way, Hellenists, Hellenists were Greek-speaking Jews. 
And so after, this, after the dispersion, when some of the Hebrews and the Jews were dispersed, uh, as the Greeks and the Romans were taking over, they went out and some of them did not return to Judea and Jerusalem and they stayed out. And what then happened was that they started to adopt the Greek culture. They started to adopt the Greek language and then they were termed the Hellenists. As much as they were Jews by culture, they were Jews by origin, but they adopted the Greek culture. And so there was this cultural separation that was beginning um, to happen between the Hellenists and the Hebrews. And so this is creating somewhat a bit of a tension or a challenge. And so as we even go back, we, we, we can maybe put ourselves in the feet of the Hellenists or in the shoes of the Hellenists and think to ourselves. And so they're aware of some of these Old Testament passages. They're aware of the works of Jesus Christ. As they're, see, as they're sit, sitting and hearing the teaching of the apostles, they're hearing these various accounts of how Jesus cared for the poor. Jesus cared for the marginalized in society. They're hearing how Jesus came and proclaimed about the good news and the coming of the kingdom. In essence, they are hearing and they might have witnessed some of them just how Jesus indeed not only proclaimed and preached the good news, but he was compassionate, caring for the needs of those around them. And so here we are encountering and seeing what, what, what is happening? Mm. There's a bit of a disconnect that they're witnessing. They're saying, as you are preaching and proclaiming one thing, there is a bit of a disconnect because your actions are communicating something else. Why are the widows being neglected? And so this, this is a serious issue. And I say it's serious because the apostles, the twelve's reaction to this concern being raised, they make sure they bring all the disciples together, they bring all the Christians together in order to discuss this and find a solution, a way forward. They did not take this lightly. But at this point, we can only speculate as to why exactly were the Helen's widows being neglected. Here are a few possible things. And so they may have been overlooked due to the cultural discrimination that was happening. Um, because they were nat because native-born Hebrews or Aramaic-speaking Jews uh, and, and Greek-speaking Jews didn't necessarily get along, it might have created a bit of a cultural clash. Um, the Hebrews, they looked down a bit or cast out a bit some of the Hellenists. And so we begin to see this cultural discrimination begin to form. And is it possible that this could be one of the reasons why the Hellenist widows were being overlooked? So me being uh, a vendor man who grew up in Joburg his whole life, one of the things that I experienced a lot around other vendor people who particularly grew up in the hearts of rural vendor is that every time I told them that I was vendor, they'd just be like, no, 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 no. There's no such. Number one, you don't sound like us. Number one, you don't look like us. Uh, if anything, you are just vendor by name. But everything else about you has nothing to do with being vendor. And so in many ways, it's like, 
am I a vendor? Yes. But the other vendors around me, they're probably looking at me and they're like, nah, brah, you know, you're a half vendor. You know, you're 30%. You know, you're just not right. You're just not there. And so even here in this passage, we're witnessing possibly a similar thing might have been happening or brewing. But what's the other possibility as to why these widows are being neglected? Mm. It's possible that these widows have been overlooked unintentionally due to how rapidly this early church was growing in the thousands and the apostles could not directly oversee the entire distribution network due to their limited capacity. But you can imagine, thousands and thousands of people are turning to the Lord. This church is growing and growing by numbers. The city is being transformed. Communities are being transformed. Yet there are only 12 apostles. How can they oversee each and every single thing and each and every single one? It is a very challenging task to do that. And so it is possible they, will, they merely overlook them due to their limited capacity. But one thing that's evident is that the apostles, they take this issue and they take this concern very seriously. And they give an opening statement and they give a rather bold one um, as everyone is gathered. And here's what they say. They say, it is not right that we should give up preaching the word to serve tables. Now, this may have raised some eyebrows. They're like, wait, wait a minute. It's not right that we give up preaching the word of God to serve tables? Does it mean that God does not care about our immediate physical needs? Is it the word that is just important and only that? Mm -hmm. There may have been some extremes. There may have been others who are thinking, but no, I, I, I thought this gospel meant that we, our physical needs are continually transformed. They're continually met each and every single day, each and every single time. There may have been others who were saying, no, 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 no. Preaching of the word is what's most important because more and more people need to be saved. In many ways, we see these extremes exist also in our times today. There are many churches and organizations who might swing to other extreme. They might swing to the extreme of caring for the needs and neglecting to preach the gospel. If anything, just becoming, you know, a glorified NGO where it's about meeting the needs of the poor and the marginalized in society. Those are good things. But... If we neglect and forget to preach and proclaim the gospel whilst doing those things, then have we lost sight of the main thing? On the other extreme, you can get to that extreme of saying the only thing that should be done is just the word, preaching the word of God, and that's it. Everything else should be forgotten. Our main and primary focus is just the preaching and the teaching of the word, and that's that. But even with that, is there something important that we're losing sight of? Is there a misunderstanding of the fullness of the gospel in its glory that we are not seeing and understanding? It is so, so easy to lose sight of the main thing. And so let's continue into the passage and see 
how do the apostles solve this issue? And so we'll read verses 3 to 4, and it says, Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And so here we begin to see the apostles um, start to say, okay, now let's solve, let's continue to solve this issue. Um, let's deal with it. And the apostles specify high qualifications for those who will be chosen to serve. They specifically say that they must be men of good repute and they must be full of spirit and of wisdom. So these high qualifications show that neither this ministry nor its recipients are minor of little importance or of little value. If anything, the apostles, the 12, are saying that what the Hellenists are raising is a serious and important issue. It is one that we should be deeply concerned with as the church. But remember, what did they highlight in verse 3? They highlighted the importance also of not neglecting to preach the word. And so then, what, 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 what does this mean? What, what do we do with this? Um, yes, the preaching of the word is important. And also we see that we are saying it is important. It is important that we figure out how do we solve this issue? How do we continue to meet the needs of those around us? There's high importance given to that whilst at the same time seeking to uphold their primary calling that they were given by Jesus Christ, which was to go out and to preach the word. In many ways, they are saying that, hey, let's not lose sight of the main thing, which is going out and preaching the word. But at the same time, as we go out and preach this word, as we live it out in our daily lives, as we go out and live at, as witnesses, how are our actions showing that this gospel that is living and active in us by the power of the Holy Spirit, how is it compelling us to live differently? And so in many ways, they're challenging us and they're challenging them to say that the overflow of our actions, the overflow of how we care for those around us should be centered from the gospel. We should not lose sight of what's important. But at the same time, it does not necessarily mean that caring for the needs and those around us is not important. God cares. God is compassionate. We see several accounts in the Old Testament. We see several accounts in the Gospels with Jesus Christ and how we lived and walked on the earth and how the poor, the marginalized in society, those who are often downcast, those who are often pushed away, those who are often ignored, Jesus cares for them. Jesus listens to them. Jesus proclaims the good news to them. Jesus not only seeks to meet their spiritual needs, but also their physical ones. Jesus models this Christ-centered life that we are called to live. Jesus models the spirit-filled life that we are called to live. 
The apostles know this. The apostles walked with Christ. The apostles witnessed this daily. The apostles lived this out with him. And hence, hence when this issue is raised by the Hellenists, they say this is important. Let us address it. And as they address it, they bring in the entire community into this process. Because this has to do with the church. And so, the church must call others to serve those widows because the apostles have limited capacity. That is the reality. They can't be deflected from their primary calling from Christ, which is to preach the word. And so, the preaching of the word had to remain central. It had to be primary. The way in which they lived their lives had to be rooted in their primary calling of preaching and proclaiming the word. But fam, as we're seeing and hearing this, here's a caution or question I want to pose and put out there. As Christians today, do we truly live out of overflow? Are we authentic in our faith? Is the gospel at the center of our hearts? Are we eager to serve and meet the needs of others and see that an opportunity to witness to them exists? Is the gospel at the center of everything in our lives? Or do we merely compartmentalize everything? Do we tend to say, oh wait, this is my Christian box, this is my work box, this is my school box, this is my fun box, this is my social box? Or... Is the gospel truly at the center of our hearts and our lives and the lens at which we view every other aspect of our lives flows out of the truth of this gospel? Do we look at where we work and think about how is God calling me to be and live as a witness there? Do we look at where we go to school and think about how is God calling me to live as a witness there? Do we look at where we go out to have fun, where we have socials, whether it's on the sports field, um, whether it's when you're hanging out the bar, whether it's when you're at the nail salon chilling with a nail technician for two hours. Where, wherever it may be, do you recognize how God places us in unique positions, in unique places around specific people and how we are compelled to live as witnesses amongst those people? We are to be attentive and mindful of the needs of those around us. We are to be attentive and mindful of sharing the gospel with those around us, building relationships, being bold and being faithful to go out and to proclaim this good news. Or do we just compartmentalize everything? On Sunday, that's when you know I'm most Christian. On Wednesday night, that's when I'm most Christian. But every other day of the week, man, you know, I just roll the dice. It's all about me and what I do. Are we compartmentalizing our lives or are we truly living out of overflow with the gospel being at the center of everything? Are we focused on the main thing and letting that drive and shape how we live our lives? Or are we simply just giving lip service yet our actions speak otherwise? 
even within the church? Are we just expecting the pastors and the elders to be the ones who do everything? Or are we recognizing that we are the church? We are called to serve. We look at this early church, the 12, the apostles, they had limited capacity. But there were other disciples, there were other Christians within the church that could serve and meet those needs. And guess what? It was the community that elected those people to serve. And so even today, I want to pose a thought and that question. When we walk into church, when we go to church, are we going in with that consumer mentality of, I'm just going in, I'm going to get out whatever I want, and then I'm out. Or do we even at church recognize how, man, that is a great and unique opportunity where God is still calling me to live as a witness? Mm -hmm. Fam, let's continue to get into this passage. Let's continue to witness how the transforming power of the gospel truly not only works in individuals, but it also works in communities. And so verse 5 to 7 reads as follows. And what they said pleased the whole gathering. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. These they said before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. And the word of God continued to increase. And the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. And so we see that as they've encountered this issue, this concern has been raised. They now are going on to try and solve this problem, solve this concern. And what is the outcome of that? We see that the church was pleased with the solution and seven were chosen to serve by the people of this covenant community as they could bear witness and discern which people in this community possessed these qualities. And so it is the church that recognized that, oh, these are the people that possess these qualities. We get to see how this community that was living together, that was doing life together, truly fellowshipping, they were able to look at one another and say, yep, when I see so-and-so, when I see so-and-so, I recognize that, yes, they have those qualities, and we think and believe that they are capable to serve within this ministry. Are we a community that is that tightly knit, that connected, that we can faithfully put our hand out and say, man, I truly believe that my brother or sister can faithfully serve in this capacity? Are we truly willing to even put our hands up and say, Lord, send me, Lord, use me? Or do we simply just want to continually hide away, play it safe, not be seen? Or are we seeking to really be faithful, to live out and enjoy and express our worship to the Lord daily in our lives and all that we do? How exactly is it that we live? And so it's interesting to see how Luke highlights Stephen and mentions 
how he was a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Later on in this chapter, um, we'll see that not only did Stephen commit to serving the widows, but he was also faithful to preach and proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ to the point, to the point of death that he gets stoned. And so then it makes you really wonder and question, why did the apostles set such high criteria? Because they knew they needed people who were serving in these various areas. They knew that they needed people who were going to be serving in this ministry who will still be reminded and uphold what the primary and main thing is, which is preaching and proclaiming the gospel. And so as they, as they continued to meet the needs of the widows, they did not forget, they did not stop proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Those two worked hand in hand. They worked well together. And we see that, that that's why such a high bar and a high standard was set. Because Stephen was willing to fight and defend the faith to the point of death. Man, this is a reminder to all of us to not lose sight of the main thing. Another thing that we see is that we witness the transforming power of the gospel as many priests come to faith. So priests and Levites in ancient Israel administered the distribution of resources for, from tithes for the widows and others in need. And so Luke may be suggesting that as priests observed the followers of Jesus give attention to this need, their hearts were opened to the gospel. Hmm. Something amazing is happening here. We are witnessing how as the 12 recognized that this is an important concern, how they sought to address is how the church acted and decided to meet this need. How did that affect the community around them? How did that affect the people around them? How did that affect the priests? They looked and they were like, there's just something different. There's something about this community. There's something about these people. Not only are they saying something about this gospel, not only are they saying one thing, but also their actions, their actions are backed up. Mm. They're not merely just giving lip service, but the way in which they live their lives points to how, man, this gospel is so powerful that it not only penetrates our hearts, not only transforms us spiritually, but man, it even compels us to live differently and even goes on to affect the communities around us and how those around us are affected. So many of the priests' hearts were beginning to be open to the gospel. Their hearts were changed and transformed and they were turning to the Lord. May that, may that truly challenge us and compel us to consider what are the needs of the people around us? What are the needs of the community around us? Wherever God has placed us, 
Are we attentive to those things? Are we truly in tune with the Spirit and living out of the fullness of the Holy Spirit that we are cognizant and aware of these things and see and recognize that how God can use that as an opportunity to share and minister the gospel? Do we recognize that truth? Or do you look at some of these different spaces in your life and think that, nah, surely there's no way God can use me being in a classroom sitting next to so-and-so as a way to live as a witness. Surely there's no way me being in the stale bar with this lady for two hours as a way to live as a witness. Fam, I hope that we are challenged. I hope that we are compelled. I hope that we truly understand why it's so important to not lose sight of the main thing, but also at the same time, why the gospel is so powerful that even when we truly have it as the center of our hearts, it affects how we view everything else around us and how God uses those things as an opportunity for us to live as witnesses and also as a way to bring more people to himself. And so lastly, fam, we also see how the word of God continued to increase because God's word is the source of the church's life. Luke sums up the growth of the church as the growth of the word. And so fam, are we growing in the word? Are we growing in preaching the word? Are we growing in living out the word? Is it just head knowledge, but doesn't penetrate our hearts? Doesn't transform how we live our lives daily in all the different spaces that God has placed us in? Are you compelled and convinced of how important it is to share the word? Are you mindful of the needs of those around you? Does the gospel mold how you live your life? Are we truly a community of believers that, live, that lives out the gospel, recognizing its transforming power, and do we simply believe in our heads, but our hearts and our actions speak otherwise. What type of a community are we? When we talk about city loving, how evident is that? When we talk about going out and preaching and proclaiming the gospel, how evident is that? And so fam, I, I don't necessarily want you to leave and feel guilt-tripped or feel like Man, I'm just, I'm just a horrible Christian. No. I hope that you are challenged. I hope that the Holy Spirit continues to work and to minister in your heart as it cuts and convicts, as he cuts and convicts us. Are we compelled to live differently? Or do we just enjoy wearing the t-shirt? We enjoy wearing the cap. We enjoy posting it on our social media. We, how are we living? Are we focused on the main thing? Or have we been easily distracted, even by the good things? And so, fam, I hope you really, really take account of God and the power of his word the power of the gospel and how it can shape not only our hearts, but also the lives of others. Are we in tune 
of the needs of those around us? And are we actively seeking to live differently and make a difference in some of the needs of those around us? Let me pray for us. Lord God, um, so thankful for how you continue to work in our lives daily. Not only do you compel us to live differently, Lord, but Lord, you also call us to enjoy you. You call us to worship you daily. Lord, you call us to indeed enjoy every aspect of our life and see every area of our lives as an opportunity to worship you, to enjoy you, and to also live as a witness to those around us. Yes, Lord, um, we are broken and sinful people. If anything, Lord, we don't have it figured out And I don't think we ever will, but we are so grateful that we have your Holy Spirit living and active and abiding in us, compelling us daily to search our hearts and to live differently, to seek to faithfully want to proclaim your word. Lord, I do pray for our hearts that we would be mindful of how easy it can be to lose sight of the main thing. How easy it can be to lose sight of the importance of living out and preaching the word. Indeed, Lord, I do pray that we will grow not only as individuals, but also as a community. As we get to witness how this city of Jerusalem, how this early church was flipping the city upside down, Lord, would we be challenged and compelled to see the same happen in the city of Pretoria? Lord, would the church indeed rise up? Would the church be faithful unto thee? Would the church be faithful and uphold the importance of enjoying and loving and proclaiming and sharing and living out your word daily? The gospel has such a practical effect, Lord. And so I do pray that we consider daily in our lives how are we called to live differently? Are we truly living out of overflow? Is the gospel at the center of our hearts? And yes, Lord, we may fall short, but we know that, Lord, there is grace. We know that we are empowered by your Holy Spirit. We are thankful that we do not have to do this alone, but we have a community of believers in whom we can walk alongside and live this Christian life with. So Lord, we thank you for how you've spoken to us through your word this morning. And we do pray that you will continue to work in our hearts and in our minds and affecting how we live our lives. In your mighty name, we pray. Amen.